Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Hockey PDO Cast is brought to you by Get Down BP, which brings people together with the goal of getting blood pressure down in a fun and interactive way. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and sitting across from me is Elliot Friedman. Elliot, what's going on, man? Not much, Dmitry. Good to see we got you some great Vancouver weather in Toronto. I know, it just seems to follow me everywhere I go. <laughs> eh? um, yeah, so hopefully the, uh, the sound effects aren't too bad. We are in a... Uh, on a pretty busy uh, apartment suite in downtown Toronto, and there's a lot of car traffic outside, but I think it should be okay. It's I mean, atmosphere. Yeah, PDO cast listeners are used to uh, hearing sirens and ambulances and all that, because I live like right across the street from the bridge, basically, so there's a lot of... Uh, a lot They're of coming for you. Yes. That's what they hear. Yes. Um, so yeah, we're, we chose to record on a pretty busy day. There's been a, a big trade today. There's mm-hmm. essentially, for all intents and purposes, a, a retirement. I mean, there's a lot going on, but let's start with the trade first. Um, you were saying you... This was one that kind of caught you off guard. Well, sometimes you know when something's coming and you can predict when something's coming. And, and other times it comes out of left field and you have no idea. Right. And I know I'm supposed to be an insider, but I will confess that I had no idea of this one coming. I think we'd known that uh, that Anaheim was, was going to potentially move a D. You know, Sammy Vatnin's a name we've heard in trade rumors right. before. But this specific deal for Adam Henrique, you know, it never was in my radar screen. So... Um, you know, I really like Adam Henrique. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I covered uh, quite a bit of New Jersey over the years. Their run to the 2012 Stanley Cup Final. Um, I, I really, I, I always liked dealing with him. I think he's mm-hmm. a very interesting, funny guy. It's interesting. I think over the past couple of years, he kind of plateaued a little bit. Right. But I know he started working with Adam Oates, t- trying to find some new things about his game. And he loved being a New Jersey Devil. Yeah. So I'm sure that there's a part of him that is in total shock and that he got traded. It does feel like he's one of those guys that, I guess just because he's been around for so long, and like in the front of our consciousness, he's only 27 or 28 years old. And I looked that up today. I was like, I would have guessed he was 31 maybe. Yes. So it just seems like he's been around forever. But I guess you kind of forget how early some of these guys come into the league. It's a point. younger, younger league now. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think that uh, Anaheim will be great for him. Um, you know, he's going to play around, you know, they're going to play around Getzlaff and Kessler. Right. He can play wing. Um, you know, at the beginning right now, you know, they've Anaheim stayed in the race, you know, Derek Grant at center, Kevin yes. Roy at center and yeah. Chris uh, Wagner, and Chris <laughs> Wagner. And I think that's a lot of credit to how hard they play. Um, but, uh, you know, the one thing about Henrique is he's a good team guy and he'll fit wherever they want him to fit. Hmm. And on a team like that, that's big and nasty and rough, right. there'll be room for him out there. So, I mean, obviously the Vatanen trade was rumored and we were expecting it for the longest time now. But do you think if the Ducks had been going down a different path this season and they actually had a good, clean bill of health and Getzlaff and Kessler were in the lineup, do you think they'd make a move like this? I think they would have eventually because I think they really felt, you know, that they had a lot of money invested on their blue line. Hmm. And um, also, um, they have a lot of defensemen. One thing about Anaheim, man, they develop players. They do. They find guys. And uh, that's a team that does a really good job of of drafting, developing, and and creating people. And... um, you know, I think I do think that Bob Murray felt that there was a 
a lot of money tied into his blue line and yeah. potentially was going to have to do something. The other thing, too, is you know John Gibson's on a real team-friendly contract, but if he is their goalie of the future, right. they're going to have to pay him. Which he it looks like he is. He yes, good. so yeah. they're going to have to pay him. And I think between all of that, they, they're aware of that. Well, I wonder, too, I mean, you look around and... I feel like the Pacific Division especially is pretty wide open. I guess you could make an argument the Atlantic is as well, but at least the Lightning are in that division. But in the Pacific, I mean, there's – that no one's we're, really we're established. Vegas. And stuff. Yeah, I we're, guess. We're I guess. sitting here yeah. wondering if Vegas is going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they, uh, they're, they're one-year plan. To I, think, I think also the, the Pacific is a bit of a, a throwback division in the sense that I think it's a, a faster division than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like L.A. Yep. has decided to turn it up, and Vegas I, it seems to me that when I've watched them, a pretty quick team. But yep. the Ducks grind you, and the Sharks still grind you. And L.A., if they want to play that way, they can still grind mm-hmm. you. And Calgary is uh, one of the meaner teams, too. Yep. So, like, they're still, like, that That Pacific Division is a bit more in the 80s than some other teams are. Mm. So, uh, some other divisions are. Right. I think they play, like, those Anaheim L.A. games, Dimitri, like, they're the best games I've seen this yep. year. They play a nasty kind of hockey that... We don't see a lot in the NHL Yeah, anymore. I think that's probably, I mean, it probably doesn't get the credit it deserves because it is in California and, and because of the time zone, but it probably is the best rivalry going in the NHL. I right agree. Now, say, right? And they play the nastiest games. Yes. The nastiest um, games. So I was looking up right now because I wanted, I, I remember New Jersey was leading the Metro Division up until recently. Now yep. they're a one point back of Columbus. And, I'm kind and of the curious. Islanders are right there too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just as we all would have predicted <laughs> it's heading into the completely season. flipped. <laughs> um yeah, the the devil's side of this trade is also fascinating to me because I'm I'm a bit skeptical of that, and I have to admit I know I see why people um, favor a guy of his playing style. I mean, mm-hmm. very slick skater can mm-hmm. move the puck, has a great shot on the on the power play, and I I just think maybe he might be one of those guys that might be better suited to be kind of a sheltered second pairing role, but he quarterbacks your power play. But for the Devils, I mean, it's all about sort of a who he's replacing sort of thing. And I feel like the upgrade from whoever would have been playing in those minutes to that and now will be a pretty pretty sizable uh, leap for them. So I, I love I that from their perspective. That. I, and, you know, they, they did go hard after Kevin Shattenkirk mm. on uh, free agency right. day. They were looking for a right shot D. It was interesting, like – well, they came into Toronto a couple of weeks ago, and I had a chance just to talk to a couple of their players very briefly. And Taylor Hall said one thing that really stood out to me. Like, I mean, we all know how much Taylor Hall burns to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, do you say this is the year, this is the team? And he, he was really good about it. He said, not yet, um, but I, I, I think we're going to be right there, but I don't want to jinx it, basically. Right. And he said, we score more than I think we all thought we were going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we give up chances. We depend a little too much on Schneider and Kincaid. Right. And um, so he kind of thought that they might go after one more D. And I think he knew, obviously, what they were talking about. Right. So this is their move to get some depth on D. And I agree with you. It's probably a, a bigger role than Vatten would have gotten in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you never know right. until you put a guy there how he's going to do. And and Jersey's going to give him a chance to show he can handle that responsibility. Yeah, no, I'm very curious as well. I mean, his 5-on-5 numbers were sort of hit or miss. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was playing a lot with Kevin Bieksa, who's on his last legs here at 515. So I'm curious to see how they use him, who he plays with, whether he can take on that opportunity. Um, a lot of teams like Vatanen, though. Yeah, like, well, I mean, was, it's easy to see why. He has the talent. There sure. were a lot of times over the years that Anaheim could have dealt him and yep. didn't. I Someday we're going to figure out, like, there, there's one guy who told me that about two years ago there were about four teams that thought they had a Galchenyuk deal done. Mm. And I think Vatanen was potentially one of them. So maybe someday we'll figure out what all happened. <laughs> I'm very curious to hear that list. Um, yeah, with the Devils, I mean, listen, they're obviously playing over their head. I think they're due for a bit of a regression here, but... The one point I will make is Vatnin really fits in with this sort of style they seem to want to play under John Hines, which is this much faster pace. They want to be fast. Free-flowing game, which the New Jersey Devils have not been mm-hmm. associated with in the past. And sometimes that, as you mentioned, might lead to giving up more uh, scoring chances coming the other way than might be a bit too rich for their blood. But it's as a fan and a viewer, it's been pretty entertaining to watch. They're a fun team to watch. Yeah. Like I remember I tweeted like uh, earlier this year, like fun game with the Devils. And even Devils fans were tweeting me like <laughs> not used to hearing that. I know, it's weird. But, you know, Hines comes from Pittsburgh. Shiro comes from Pittsburgh. And they always like playing up tempo. Mm. And, you know, I think Taylor Hall allows you to do that a bit. Right. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Hisher will allow you to do that mm-hmm. a bit. Like, uh, you know, I, I think they have some guys. To me, the most interesting thing about it, Dimitri, is that 
we've got a league here where depth is it's so hard and the 31st team has really done it like it's so hard to find four lines now that can score and new jersey's got guys like gibbons who are scoring at rates they've never scored so at it's like 35 goals and i know and it'll be interesting to see like how long does it last right. but the one thing i like is i like seeing like i i like to see like teams do i don't like to see teams be bad or or dull for a long right. period of time. Yeah. New Jersey needs this, and I think it's good for them that they're getting it. They do, yeah. Yeah, there's an infusion of young talent. I mean, you didn't mention like Jesper Brad and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Pavel Zaka, you go on down the line, so it's kind and of weird. Zaka to, can't even play. Yeah. Like, that, that'll be interesting to see if this gets him a chance to play. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to see how that fits in on this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Oilers, I guess. Now, we made it We made it 10 minutes without talking about <laughs> the Oilers yet, so I'd be like... Uh, in today's day, that's 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 pretty good for us here. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously, I I think the lead of your thirty one thoughts this week was about sort of the Jordan Eberle Taylor Hall comments mm-hmm. about how the media impacts it and mm-hmm. this entire self confidence idea and whatnot. I, I don't know where where do you stand on it for people that haven't read that piece. Well, yet? I think that in this day and age, like it used to be that players would say like you don't understand to what it's like to be in an 18,000 seat arena with mm. everybody booing you. Right. I think it's different now because with social media if you make a mistake or you write a bad blog or whatever, people are going to let you know. Right. Um like you know I you know I'm lucky I have I think 350,000 Twitter followers. If one per, like I I tell people this if 1% of that group Right decides they hate something you say on TV or you write, yep. that's 3,500 people coming at you. Yeah. So you kind of have an idea of it. Um, so I think in this day and age, nobody gets away unscathed. You know, it's interesting. Like, I'm a big believer in, like, when it comes to Twitter now, I, I if somebody really wants to come after me, I, I ignore it. Do you check your mentions? I do, yeah. um, you know, because I'm curious. Right. Um, but I don't check them a lot, a lot less than I used to. Yeah. So if I miss something, um, I will miss it. Right. Uh, I laugh at them a lot more. Like, I still get racial slurs. I still get people who say to me, like, how many cheeseburgers did you eat before you went on air today? Like, that stuff doesn't bother me anymore. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I never really did a lot, but they don't. it doesn't bother me at all. I think that, you know, in, in a perfect world now, Dimitri, you, you shouldn't face that stuff, right. but you do. Yeah. Like, and you have to understand that that is part of the way it is. You right. are going to get that. Even before Twitter, I remember one day I was working at The Score and I did this commentary on how Mark Messier might not make the 98 Olympic team. And some guy left me a voicemail just saying, like, typical Jew who's ripping a great Canadian like Messier. And so I think that you have to recognize that you're going to get that. The one thing I always say to players who ask me about is, number one, I talked about the story about how one player said to me, like, I see what you guys say to me on TV, about me on TV. And I say, like, like really, how much should this bother you? You're in the NHL. You know, the thing I said, I wrote, I can't write in a family blog what I said. I said, <laughs> people would give their left not to trade yeah. their lives with yours. Right. You're in the NHL. You're making a good living. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're making great money. Um, what do you care? Like, right. why are you worried about this? I think it's human nature, though, right? I, I think, but you know what? I think some people make it work, worse on themselves. Yeah, for sure. Treat. Like, sure. families and friends, I always tell families and friends, don't tell people what's said on TV because you it's always broken telephone yeah. and you always make it sound worse. Yes. And I think they should ignore their friends and families or tell them don't repeat this to me. But I think like like me now, like I get stuff said at me on Twitter or written in blogs about me or people who are critical of me. I've, I've had newspaper articles written about a bad job I might have done. The only time I will ever reach out about it is if there is something so factually wrong that I feel I have to address it yes which is almost never right like and and I'll tell you since I've written this wrote, wrote that blog Dimitri I've had people in the game players coaches and execs reach out to me and say you're still too soft if you care that much hmm. like you you shouldn't care like you should understand that's part of the deal right and it's a mindset and if you let your mindset crumble You'll let it bother you 
you should be stronger than that. I'm amazed at how many people in the hockey world from all different parts have actually reached out and said, right. you should be able to handle that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it definitely, I think it comes with the territory and it's one of the unfortunate parts of the industry, but sometimes you just can't help what kind of, you know, what bugs you, what, 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 what hits you the wrong way. I mean, sometimes you just, you can be feeling super calm. You have a bad day. And all of a sudden you look at something and it just, you react to it differently than you might have any other day, right? You just never really know. Um, Eberly, I'll tell you this. Eberly, I have, I've had some very interesting comments to me about Eberly. Um, number one is that he sought out some of that stuff, hmm. which he should never do. And the second thing is, and this is what somebody raised in his defense was there was a time where a TV guy went hard after Eberly for the way he was playing. Hmm. And um, I know I heard that the Oilers coaches showed it to him. And he was really upset. And what was said really bothered him. And I think that, and I have been told that that stuck with him for a long time. So I think that sometimes... It is a motivator by a coach to say, this is what these guys are saying about you. And I think in Everly's case, it really bothered him. I think he was called lazy, and I think it really bothered him a great deal. Yeah, well, he seems to be uh, enjoying his newfound freedom. It's quieter there. There's no question about that. Yeah, especially playing with Matt Barzal probably doesn't matter either. (laughs) Very talented guy. Um, Yeah, well, when you were talking about uh, how the coaches showed him that, I was thinking of, do you see that anecdote from Danny Briere's book about uh, Michelle Michelle Therrien actually went out of his way to tell him that no one likes him or whatever? Yeah, sometimes uh, there's some tough love in this industry. I, you know what, like, um, it's interesting because I saw a couple interviews with Briere where he was saying, I'm disappointed that this is getting all the attention mm. because for the most part, I had good things to say about, right. about, about Montreal. You know, Dimitri, I'm a big believer in myself is I don't handle compliments very well. Mm. I'm appreciative, but I don't handle them right. very well. Um, I know when I do a good job and I know when I do a bad job and nobody's tougher on me than me. I think it's one of the reasons I've been fortunate enough to get where I am. But I think people are generally soft. Like sometimes, I think now people don't take criticism very well. They yep. don't handle it very well. And, and I'm not trying to sound like, like, you know, my grandfather, like I went up, I went, I walked uphill both ways to <laughs> yeah. school. But Back in my I, day. But I do think that a lot of even constructive criticism now gets terribly right. misinterpreted. And I think people generally don't listen to each other. Right. Like Twitter, which I used to really like, has now become a cesspool for a lot of different reasons. But I think that I think that the real big problem is that I don't think people know how to handle even constructive criticism anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Elliot, if you want to uh, leave Twitter, I'll gladly take your Twitter. No, I, I got to stay on it. When I retire, I'll be off, I'll be off social media. I'm going dark. Um, yeah. So I mean, sticking with the Oilers here, um, what would I don't want to say? What would you put the odds at? But do you think there's a chance or a likelihood here that uh, Peter Shirelli will? make some sort of a panic move based on I don't think he gone. will because I think he's really tried to avoid it. Mm. I think if he wanted to, he would have done it already. Right. Um, you know, I think he's looking at Ian Cole. Okay. I do. Um, you know, I think he's trying to, like, uh, you know, for example, they made the one move already, Jokinen for Camilleri. And I think he's also trying to move Packer in and out. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's for a roster spot or salary or flexibility right. or whatever he's doing there, but... I heard that the other, I heard that today that you know he kind of put his name out there. Um, I think he is trying to do things, but I think he is also trying to avoid that panic move that really kills you. I, you know, I haven't spoken to Peter about this, but um, you know, I think that he's been stung by some of the criticism about the Hall Larson deal, mm-hmm. and I think he's, I think he, if he makes, if he trades a big piece like a Nugent Hopkins. He wants it to be viewed as a home run. So I don't think it's going to be very easy for anyone to get Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. I feel like everyone is just waiting for an RNH trade to happen. and so I'm not convinced it's going to happen. Like Guys yeah. have told me that Edmonton's price is very high. And, as it should be. Uh, as it should yeah. be. I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a yeah. pretty good NHL yeah, player. Yeah, I mean, you see what Adam Henrique went for today. Yeah. And, yeah, you should be asking for that. I mean... The thing with like when you mentioned Ian Cole and stuff like that, like I just I'm just not sure how much that moves the needle for them or what that really does because I think the flaw with that team right now is when Connor McDavid's not out there, they're super slow, and I'm not sure what a. I mean, Ian Cole's 
What, what, what does he really do to move the needle for it? I don't, I don't know if he moves the needle. Like, you know, the one thing is I liked, even though McCullum doesn't like it, I liked the idea of playing those guys on three separate Oh, lines. absolutely. We, you yes. know, we saw Pittsburgh win a Stanley Cup yeah. doing that. And what Edmonton has to do is they have to find the Sherry, the Sherry's, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Gensels, yes. and the Russ. Right. Like, that's what they've got to do. And, um, you know, that's what they have to find. You know, I think Edmonton is closer to the team they were last year than this year. You know, Cam Talbot has not been the same, which is a major factor. But, you know, it just, I went to their morning skate in Buffalo last week. And, um, you know, I do think the speed thing is a big issue. I, I, Peter Shirelli disputes that. I'm with you, Dimitri. Mm -hmm. I think that is an issue. But I also think that one of the, one of the things I've learned over the years is that, it's hard to go from a team that isn't expected to win to a team that is expected to right. win. And I think these guys are learning that the margin of defeat in this league is very thin. Yep. And if you aren't paying attention to the details and you aren't invested all the time and you don't play well all the time, yes, you're going to lose. And right. I think this team is I think I think the expectation is to some degree They've learned that it's hard to meet those expectations. Yeah, and they were lofty expectations. They were the betting favorite to come out of the West this year. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, to live like, up if to. you were asking me of the year, like who was the Canadian pick to win yeah. the Stanley Cup? It was them. Yeah, yeah. It's been. I mean, it's still early on, and there are positive kind of things to take away from from looking at the numbers. But there's also a bunch of red flags and sort of everything that's go- everything that we thought could possibly go wrong with, you know, last year they had great health, Cam yes. Talbot was able to play 70 games yes. and hold up very well. All this stuff, all of it's kind of deteriorated. And I agree. Like Talbot, the goaltending is a big deal. Like yep. I look at Ottawa too, and last year Anderson and Condon were unbelievable. Yep. And this year they've struggled. And that's a major reason why Ottawa is where it is. Look at Carey Price. A week ago, we were ready to burn down Montreal. He comes back healthy. He's won three games in a row. Everybody's in a great mood. Alain Vigneault has a great line. He says, if if my goalie's better than your goalie, I win. If your goalie's better than my goalie, you win. A lot of the time, that's what this league is. It sounds overly simplistic, but that's really the (laughs) formula. That's where we are. I do think that's like, you know, the league is getting smarter and there's so many fewer places to get a competitive advantage and mm-hmm. kind of it's tough to rip off teams anymore in trades or really kind of you know hit home runs in the seventh round like the red wings are doing for all those years by taking mm-hmm. european guys one place i do still feel strongly about is the backup goalie position in mm-hmm. nhl i feel like still needs to be fleshed out i mean you know you're talking even with the leafs for example like i think they would probably tell you themselves that Curtis McElhaney probably isn't the long-term fit there. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try and figure out with Sparks or Picard what's going to happen there. But a lot of these teams, it's kind of a tough balance because you don't want to put your young up-and-coming guy in that spot because he's never really played. He's going to play. Like, that's what Pittsburgh was with Tristan Jerry. Yeah. And now he's going to get to play. Yeah. But so you have all – what you wind up having is all of these sort of hockey lifers that have been recycled from team to team. And they might not be the most optimal option, but you can kind of just have them on the bench and then use them once every couple of weeks. But – we're seeing that, that the margin for victory and, and defeat is so thin in yes. the NHL. And with all these you know three-point games, the standings are so tight. I feel like every one of those points is huge. And you know being able to rely on your backup goalie is, a, is a quite a big of a luxury. You know, it is. But the other thing, too, Dimitri, is that in a cap world, you're, you're looking to shave money wherever you can. Right. And, you know, how, how much abuse did Dallas take the last couple of years because they had two goalies making $10 million? Right. And it didn't work for them. And, um, you know, I think that you're right. You can't afford to give away points now. But, you know, I, I do remember last year in the week before free agency, you know, Philadelphia went quick. Brian Elliott, uh, you know, Pittsburgh had to get, find a cheap option. They went for Niemi. Yep. Um, Steve Mason ended up in Winnipeg. And Winnipeg hemmed and hawed there. Mike Condon got a three-year deal in Ottawa because Ottawa was terrified that Toronto or Buffalo was going to get him. Calgary, I don't think Eddie Lack was Calgary's first choice, but all of a sudden you're sitting there at the table and you're going, the options are drying up. Mm. And Toronto, I'm not sure McElhinney was Toronto's first choice, but once again, their options were were drying up. So, you know, I think that what happens is, is you want to have a great backup goalie, but you don't want to spend a ton of money there. Right. And you're right. You don't want somebody wasting away. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a tough battle. And also, too, the other thing, too, Dimitri, that's changed now is the 31st team. And we're going to go to 32 eventually. Yeah. The depth 
it's really hard to be deep now. You, Mark Messier had a great quote to me once. He said, in the salary cap era, everybody has a fatal flaw. Right. Who can best handle their fatal flaw? Do you, so do you think there's enough talent in this league to support 32 teams? Um, I think the players are better than ever. Yeah. More in terms of skill. Right. But there aren't the superstars. Yes. You know, I think, you know, the one thing I do think, and I, and I don't know how long it's going to take until the, we really realize this, but the summer training is changing. Mm. It's not all about strength anymore. It's now, and actually Peter Shirelli was the guy who told me this last year. He said, Connor McDavid goes out in the summer and he just fiddles around with the pucks. Yeah, he works out here and there. He works on getting stronger. But he goes on the ice and he just fiddles around with the puck. And he said that there's more players now who just go on the ice and screw around with the puck than ever. Mm. And they love it. Yep. And, you know, I can't tell you how many more and more. Like Eric Johnson told me last summer that, and he's been a guy who's been in the league for a decade now, um, he did less strength training than ever. He just went on the ice and fooled around with the puck. And I think all these guys are working harder to refine their skills. Yep. Riley Shane today at Pittsburgh practice told me, I said, what's the biggest thing you you learn at, at, with the Penguins? He goes, how like they all stay on the ice after practice to fool around with the puck. Yeah. So I think the skill level is rising. I think the question is going to be is how many scores does that create? And I think we're a, a little bit away from knowing the answer. So right now I would say no. Right. But in the future, I'm curious to see if that changes. Yeah, I think so. Especially with, I mean, if you compare where the league's at now to maybe where it was five years ago or mm-hmm. ten years ago, especially, I, it's it seems like at least it's at least headed in the right direction. So there's a reason for optimism that maybe five years from now, when the league is ready for a 32nd team, it seems like. I'll tell you this though, Dimitri, I miss some of the hate. Yeah, I do. I you know the, I never worry about the playoffs because mm. the playoffs are phenomenal. Like, you know, th- there's a lot on the line and, and those guys play hard. But I think there are too many regular season games that like that miss the hate. Like those Anaheim LA games are phenomenal to watch. That Detroit Calgary game that boiled yes. over, like nobody was turning the TV away from that. You don't want bench clearers or line brawls every night. You know, we're having a big debate about concussions now, and I do think it's a very serious topic. But, you know, Ken Dryden in his book talked about how you've got to stop with finishing the checks and stuff like that. I think the league has changed a lot that mm. way. I, I think you see we see less hitting than ever before in the regular season. I think we see, uh, we see a lot of – I wish there was more passion in the regular season. Right. You still get some games, but there's not enough. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. 82 games is way too many to begin with. Yeah, it's, it's a tough you schedule. Have to, you have to pace yourself, right? Yeah. Like, if, if you if you played balls to the walls every single night, you know, at, treating it like it was a playoff game, I you probably would not make it through the end of the regular season. You're right. I would like to see a little bit more of it, though. Yeah. Like, like I understand. Like, we, you got to be concerned about safety. Absolutely. But I think the amount of regular season games that are, like, just, we're going to run through each other tonight, yes. there's not enough of no. them. No, agreed. Uh, let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor, and we'll pick up the conversation on the, on the other end of things. Anyone can develop high blood pressure. Fact, 7.5 million Canadians live with hypertension every day. The mission of Get Down BP is to bring everyone together with the goal of getting blood pressure down in a fun and interactive way. So join the community at getdownbp.ca to learn more. Because getting blood pressure down has never felt so good. A community-based initiative fueled by one of Canada's leading pharmaceutical research-based companies in collaboration with Hypertension Canada. Let's chat a little bit about SeatGeek, today's sponsor of the Hockeypedia cast. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events because with their seamless mobile app, you can buy and sell tickets in just a couple taps. They'll scour all the sites for you, putting together the best values in an easy-to-read color-coded map so that you make sure you're putting your butt in the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite player in the world do the one thing that he does better than anyone else in this world. Whether it's a Dan Girardi snow angel, a Chris Russell block shot, or even a Mark Borowiecki bone-crunching body check while the other team scores a goal anyways. Sign me up for all those things. And the best part is that if you sign up yourself, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase just because you've listened to today's Hockey PDO cast. All you have to do to claim that reward is download the SeatGeek app, 
enter the promo code PDO, and they'll give you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Anyone that's played fantasy sports before knows that the best part of the entire process is the draft. You get to pick your favorite players and feel like you're running your own team, even if it's just for a fleeting minute. Then the season actually starts and it becomes a grind. Maybe you're in a league where everyone's overly conservative or non-responsive and you just can't seem to make a trade, so you're stuck with your team all year. Maybe you have a bunch of brutal injuries and your team gets decimated and you know you go to the waiver wire and you can't find any suitable replacements and it just gets boring and stale. And that's why if you're a fantasy hockey fan and you're playing season-long leagues only, you're missing out. And that's where FanDuel comes in the mix, because they provide you the opportunity to put your skills to the test with a chance to win cash in their one-day fantasy hockey contest, which means you get the rush of drafting, but without any of the commitment. They have new contests starting every day, and they have something for everyone. Whether you're a diehard fan and you think you know everything, or you're just a casual fan looking to make the games feel more exciting while you're following along. Just pick a contest, choose your team, watch your score in real time, and then when you realize how fun it is, you'll be coming back to do it all over again the next day. And here's the best part. FanDuel's actually gone ahead and set up a contest for myself and all my PDOcast listeners to compete against each other every Thursday. Well, not every listener, because there's only 25 spots up for grabs. But it's a twenty, it's a $2 buy-in, and it's going to run every Thursday evening uh, for that night's slate of games starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll give you a 24-hour span to enter the contest starting Wednesday night. And, you know, you just go to FanDuel.com slash PDO, and, and all the information will be there. To get in on the fun and potentially become one of the 2.5 million players that have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, just sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join button, and use your code PDO. There's another offer, though. New users also get a free entry into the NHL Breakaway Contest with thousands of dollars in cash prizes guaranteed to pay out when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code PDO. Void where prohibited. Now, let's get back to the show. So we talked about the Oilers. We talked about the trade. Um... What else is piquing your interest these days? What, uh, what's blowing up your phone? You know, I, I'm just my buddies. A couple of my buddies <laughs> just calling. They're trying to make dinner plans for next week if we can get together. I mean, we could talk about the dinner plans. If no, you... <laughs> no, no, no. Me and my, we have a group of uh, six of us from high school who mm. are good buddies, but we all got families now, so we can't see each other as much. Tougher to make time, yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's like six guys trying to make plans. It's impossible. Um, six fathers trying to make plans. It's right. impossible. Um, you, know, you know, I think... Um, I, I'm really interested in a couple of things. I'm really interested in the esports thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a gamer. I don't play video games. My kid is six. He's not into video right, games yet. yet. Yeah. He likes Cover Orange. That's about it. <laughs> um, but I'm fascinated by this because, you know, in the last couple of years, um, there's been a lot of talk about where the next revenues are going to come from. Like, where is the game going to grow? Right. And I think the esports one is a big one. And I'm very curious to see what they're going to roll out next year because I'm fascinated by the whole level of it. Uh, um, and the NBA is starting their league next year and Toronto is going to be involved. So I'm, I'm really curious about it. You know, I'm also very curious about the player tracking. I'm fascinated by the stat cast in baseball. Yes. And I know the NFL is working on theirs and they're hoping to have something out in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. And I know the NHL, it was on the agenda at the GM meetings in Montreal, but I don't think they talked about it. Um, I think this is something, like all the debates we have about what really matters, I think that when the player tracking finally comes, it's going to erase a lot of those questions. But I I wish it was faster. I think, and and you know what, I'm always fascinated by uh, the great players, like Mm -hmm. the, the McDavid's, the Matthew's, the... Um, the uh, the Crosby's. Yep. Um, I love watching these guys, and I can't watch enough of it. Yeah, well, I, the player tracking point, I feel like uh, endeared yourself to uh, to our listeners because that's something we talk about a lot on this podcast. Okay, so what kinds of wait. things do you guys talk about? Oh, I just I I just can't wait. It's going to open up so many doors and possibilities for us just to like test stuff that mm-hmm. you know I have, I have various theories about stuff. Okay, uh, so give me some of your theories. Well, one now. of them right now is so. You know, in the NBA, for example, you can track uh, the concept of sort of a, a star player's gravity or how much he attracts defense, the, the defense mm-hmm. and opens up space for his teammates. So, for example, in basketball, like a LeBron James opens up corner threes for his teammates all the time because yep. the defense is sagging on him, right? Yep. And I strongly believe that, you know, a guy like TJ Oshie certainly would not have scored 30-something goals last year if Alex Ovechkin wasn't drawing that attention from his left circle on the power play a lot. And I just – it's – NHL is such a, you know, a quick game of inches that yeah. just 
a fraction of a second of extra breathing room can mean all the difference in the world to some of these guys. And mm-hmm. So stuff like that is what I'd, I'd love to see, like which players attract the most sort of secondary help from another defender or mm-hmm. attract the most That's attention. Very and yep. Stuff like that I feel like would be fascinating. Maybe not. it wouldn't necessarily have you know strong predictive value or tell us that a guy is going to blow up in a couple of years, but as in terms of telling stories and being descriptive about what's happening and what we're seeing with our eyes, stuff like that is fascinating. To yeah, me. I agree with that. You know, I, I, I'm very interested in it. I know there's a bunch of teams that are using it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been told that a couple of the issues are, uh, number one is um, I think players are, and the Players Association are worried. For example, let's just say that Okay, let's pick... Okay, you mentioned TJ Oshie, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's signed to an eight-year contract, so right. he doesn't have to worry about this. But let's just say that, you know, TJ Oshie's a guy who um, skated at this particular average speed for seven straight years, and in year eight, and maybe it's a contract year, mm. um, all of a sudden he's skating at X minus this. Right. And I think that the Players Association's worried that, oh, well, his hip doesn't... His hip's only firing at 75% power compared to what it did last year we don't want to sign him because he's on the way down right and i think that's one of the big fears um i think that's one of the things that stands up in the way and blocks it and i think there are some players now who trust the teams that are looking at their information and i think there's some players now that maybe don't trust the teams in terms of what they're seeing i'm going to guess the guys that trust it are the ones who look favorably with the numbers um i think it's uh it's it's not only that, but yeah. I think it's also, do you trust your organization? Right. And, you know, I, you know, I don't want to say who, but I know there's, because I can't prove it yet. Right. But I know there's one team where they really trust their guy. Like, they really, but I know there's one team out there right. where they don't. Yeah. And it's a problem. Well, I mean, with the Players Association argument, I mean, you could make the case that there's another segment of players that could potentially get more money or get new contracts that wouldn't have otherwise if you could sort of but prove they that they always bring value. protect... The guys who would be losing money. That's right. They always will. They will always right. go there. Right. Which I guess is what a union is supposed to do. Right. Yes. So you know, like uh, that, like that's what they do. The other one that's interesting is, you know, for example, if they decide they want to make money off this, which they always do, mm. who owns the rights? Right. Like I assumed it would be a fifty-fifty thing. Like it's the it's fifty percent owners, fifty percent players. But what if the players argue, no, 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 these are our bodies. We own it. Right. Well, I feel like uh, during the next lockout, there's going to be plenty of time to <laughs> argue these semantics. God, don't say that word. I don't want another one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the player tracking. Okay, you mentioned that. The star players. Yeah, you know what? Um, the other day I was looking. It's it's such a like non-sexy topic these days, but... I was looking, and Sidney Crosby had a couple of really good games here where he racked up a handful of points, and he obviously he had the overtime winner against Philly. Yep. And all of a sudden, he's back over a point a game, I believe. And it's one of those things where it's just, you know, with all this new wave of guys with the McDavid's and the Matthews, as you mentioned, no one really talks Crosby about Crosby is still anymore. The best player in the and league. he's still just, um, he does stuff that no one else can do. He's the best player in the league. Yeah. And when people say McDavid, when, when McDavid says, I'm not the best player in the league, mm. it's not because he's being modest is because he knows who won the Stanley Cup last year and who was the major reason. Right. And he is the best player in the league. And I think that he, he's got a lot of Michael Jordan in him. Like, I covered the NBA when the Raptors came in, and I got a little bit of exposure to Jordan. And the one thing, like, there's a story about Michael Jordan I always tell, and that is that, um, you know, when, when the Raptors traded Damon Stoudemire, their first game after that was against the Bulls. And they'd beaten the Bulls a couple times, but they weren't going to beat the Bulls this time. They had eight guys, and Jordan came in at the height of his powers. They were still winning NBA titles, and uh, they got killed. And the first half, like it was a 25-point game at the half, and Jordan only had three points. And back when I worked in radio, my seat was right near the visitor's bench. So it was a great seat, and I remember like they came out for the second half. He took a few shots. He got ready to go to the bench, and Phil Jackson right in front of me walked up to Jordan and said, Michael, this game's a joke. Like, you can you can sit out the second half. And that was when they played at the Dome. Right. So they'd have 36,000 people there. Yeah. And he said, no, I haven't given these fans their their show yet. Yeah. So he goes out in the third quarter, he scores 19 points. It's ridiculous. The game's terrible. And he walks off the end of the third quarter and he goes to Phil, okay, now you can take me out. I give them their show. <laughs> and, you know, he always found a reason to be motivated. Yeah. And Crosby's like that. Yes, and I think last year it was everybody saying McDavid's better. Right. And now this year it's everyone saying you can't three-peat. 
Yeah. He always finds a reason to be great, and I, I have a huge admiration for that. Well, yeah, I imagine his next his next thing or next motivating factor is going to be the you know like fighting off the age related decline and people saying you know can you can he still do it? Is he still the same guy? And, right now it's three Pete, yeah. but yes, he yes. will. Get In a few to years, that I can see those point. stories yes. happening already. You know, they have a guy there, in Pittsburgh, uh, Andy O'Brien, mm. who they hired and now runs their sports science. Like him and Crosby have worked together for a long time, and you know I, I think there's. You know, someday when Sid's career is over, we're going to find out what he really thinks happened. Mm. I know there's a real sense that it wasn't concussion, it was neck. Um, that that was the issue, his neck was out of alignment. And I think this guy, like Sid's smart, and Andy O'Brien's a really smart guy. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I really think that uh, it, he, that is something, Dimitri, I believe 100% that he will say, I want to be. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I wonder, I guess it's counteracted a bit by how many playoff games they've played the past few years, but I also I wonder, you know, he missed all those games a few years ago and maybe that extends his prime a little bit it's because possible. of the less wear and tear on them on his on his on his tires, but I guess, you know, they if they keep making the cup final every year that, that adds up as well. Yeah, so. you know it's funny, I was talking to them today, like, you know, do you, how how do you guys feel does it feel harder and, and they weren't going there. Yeah. And I know they did feel like like it's funny, the West teams hear this and they go absolutely crazy because they hate when the Eastern teams complain about yeah. uh, road trips. But they, I think they've played more road games than everybody else. They've had a lot of their travel yep. already. They know that their back half of their schedule is, especially now, they got some breaks. Right. And, you know, they don't care where they finish. Just get in. Just make it. And happen. then you're going to have to deal with us. Yeah. And I think they're very comfortable going into the playoffs no matter how. Yeah, it's one of those tough things to balance as an analyst because you sort of have to acknowledge that, you know, there's some worrisome red flags and their performance has dipped a little bit this year and there's cause for concern. But at the same time, like there's that analytical component and then there's the sort of like kind of just listening to your heart and just going like, well, you know, they have, they have Crosby, Malk and Kessel, Latang, if he's healthy and... As long as they make it, I guarantee not a single team out east is going to want to play no, them. But nobody so. wants to play them. It'll be interesting. Like, they miss Cullen and mm-hmm. they miss Benino. Right. And they really tried to get Duchesne. Right. But they didn't have, like, if you look what they got, yeah. Pittsburgh couldn't match that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm curious to see what, I'm, I'm curious to see what Jim Rutherford's going to do because he likes to gamble. And um, I think, like, he's really, he understands now it's going to be hard for him to get the assets he needs to make some of these deals. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he does some yeah. circular things to get more assets right. and then uses those. I think he could be really interesting to see. Well, it. and they still haven't had their annual you know, random winger from the AHL comes up and, and lights, lights the world goals. on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that's going to be this year. Whether it's going to be Sprong or somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned a bit there where you were covering the NBA earlier in your career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're wrapping up this podcast here and I know that uh, listeners really enjoy when whenever I have someone on to sort of talk about your career path and sort of you know the ups and downs and what what you've gone through to get to this point mm-hmm. and I think you know for someone like yourself especially uh, working as an insider uh, I'm always fascinated by um, you know cultivating and then maintaining sources and that part of your job um, mm-hmm. just sort of I don't know I don't know what the best way to put this is but like how did you transition into becoming uh, an insider or, or like how did you start cultivating those re- right. those resources to do your job, what you're doing right you now? You know, I, I think for one thing, I was always, the one thing I was, that I was always a good reporter mm. and I like reporting. I yep. like asking questions. I like finding out about things. I like, um, you know, I like determining, I like, I like learning. Right. Like I'm a big learner. What can I learn today? What could, like I'm watching your setup here, Dimitri. Mm. Like I've never done a podcast before, though I think one's coming. <laughs> and I'm watching your setup here, and I'm I'm interested in this. I'm like, how does this work? How does that work? You know, what kind of microphones do you use? Like right. I'm like that. I'm yes. naturally curious. Um, so I think that helps. You know, I think what it is is that. Um, you know, I was always a good reporter. I had, a, I had a good eye for that. I went to a at University of Western, a good student newspaper that put a lot of people in the business. And at the student newspaper there, they, they, they didn't screw around. Like, they taught you how to report and to write and things like that. I was always a big reader, and I think that helps you write. I think I would, anyone listening to this who wants to go into reporting, you got to read. Yes. Because that helps you. Um, you know, how did it go? Like, you start at the bottom, you... You, 
you know, I, I went to tennis, I went to golf. It wasn't just big tennis. It was like, I covered Sun Life Nationals when they still existed. I covered Ontario Golf Association tournaments when back in the day. And I think the thing is you get seen. Mm. Like suddenly you get a chance, you, you get to go at the fan to cover like the Leaf, a Leaf practice. Right. And, you know, are you quiet? Do you just follow the pack? At the beginning you do. Um but you say, okay, like, how do you ask other reporters, like, how do you get there? Yeah. And, you know, I remember one reporter once saying, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is, hi, how are you doing today? Like, sometimes just saying that to a player you're walking by or an exec you're walking by can start a conversation that gets you something. And I think, you know, like, okay, are you critical? As I wrote in that thing, like, are you fair? Yeah. Um, if you're critical, are you critical to hurt? Or are you critical to say, this is why I'm critical? Right. Are you there a lot? Like, do they know your face? Like, when I covered the NBA, a lot of those guys in the first couple of years, I don't think they knew my name, but they all knew my face. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Are you there a lot? Um, they Do they see your work and what do they think of your work? Right. Um, you know, like, does this guy treat us fairly? Is this a guy who's nice to our face or... Um, you know, is this a guy who's nice to our face and then carves us when we're not mm. there? Um, but I think also it's like, how's the quality of your work? Is it good? Is it interesting? Like the, the, the even I think players look at it and say, is, like, do I learn something from that guy? And I think it's just putting your time in. I think is what it is. Like, do you make calls? Like, you know, I try to, I try to make calls. I'm hearing this. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but I appreciate you calling. Right. Um, you know, I remember there was another reporter a couple of years ago who wrote something, and it was 100% right, but the other GM blew up at him, and he, and he called me, and he said, did I make a mistake here? And I said, did you call the guy? And, and I sa- he said, no. And I said, well, I don't like to tell other people how to do right or wrong, right. but I would have called the guy. And he goes, funny, that's what he said. He said, you owed me a phone call. Hmm. And I said, you know, but they hammered it out. Right. Now, Dimitri... Like, there's guys in the league who hate me right now, and there's two of them right now, like, I fight with, and I'm as mad at them as they are as, as I'm, as, as the, I'm as mad at them as they are as mad at me. In the league or other reporters? In the league. Okay. And you know what? It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, do you show your, are you around? Yeah. Like, the, the fact that I'm on Hockey Night in Canada helps. Right. Because people watch. But, try to come out, I try to be seen, I try to make calls, I try to make available. You know, I reported a couple weeks ago that I thought Jeff Blaschel might be in trouble and Detroit played Ottawa a few days later and I went there. And it turned out he hadn't seen it, but I just wanted him to see my face in case he wanted to say, in case he had heard it and wanted to say something. Well, I imagine it's a a big believer in that. Is it a bit of a tough of a balancing act, sort of? Because, you know, I think you do a really good job of Obviously, you have the sources and, and actual intel, but then sort of mixing it with actual kind of opinion or analysis as mm-hmm. well. It's not just purely reporting. Yeah. Um, that's the first time that's happened yes. on that whole podcast. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Really We're 43 lucky. minutes in. Yeah. Um, I guess they like that question. Um, <laughs> so I guess, you know, sometimes that could potentially get you in trouble. And I, I feel like in 31 thoughts, especially you sometimes give a disclaimer, like I'm not, I'm not reporting this. I'm just well, speculating I, or this is what the feeling I'm getting from it. If you follow my work, you know that I get infuriated by the aggregators. Yes. Like I really do because you know, people say, well, those are your words. I think in a lot of ways they're like, a lot of them are really taken without context. Yep. You can't tell if I'm laughing. You can't tell if I'm joking. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know what? Radio for me was always like, uh, was like a bar. Like I'm at a bar, I'm having a beer and I'm talking sports. Yeah. And I believe that's what radio generally is. Unless I'm coming out and saying, I am reporting this. I think you have a lot of theoretical conversations. Yeah. And now, unfortunately, the aggregating world has turned them into news. And, you know, Sportsnet's been guilty of that too. Yes. And I've had, and, and now they're better. Like they're, they listen to our concerns and I think it's really improved. But that's where I get. So, yes, there's no question now, Dimitri, I have toned down a lot of the things I've said Mm. because I'm worried about I look at it and say, oh, boy, like, how's this going to get turned in? Yeah. And it's so funny because sometimes I'll be so worried about it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. And nothing ever comes of it. And I look at another sense. This is not going to go anywhere. (laughs) And it turns it gets blown up. And I'm like, man, do I have a terrible instinct? But I just think like. I want people to know 
that if you're going to get mad, get mad at me. Right. Like, I'll tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, it was about two or three years ago, there was a guy on a team I have a great relationship with that came through Toronto. And um, I went to go say hi, and he blew me off in the room. And I was like, that is weird. Like, I, okay, it's game day. I'm not going to bug him. I'm not going to text him. Next morning, before I could text him, he called me. And he said, look, I'm really sorry about that. And I, and I go, okay, like, what happened? And he told me that uh, a few weeks earlier, uh, probably about six months earlier, he'd been in my blog, mm. 30 Thoughts. Uh, yep. I talked to him about something. And then uh, a few weeks after that, I had an anonymous quote from a player on that team. And he said the GM called him in, pulled out the first column and says, here you are in the blog. Then he pulled out the second column, are you the anonymous player? Because this is BS. Right. And it wasn't him. And he goes, no. And he said, but honestly, when I, I, I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want to be seen with you. Right. So I am very wary of mm. that kind of thing. So I like it to be my thoughts so that nobody else, get, no source gets in trouble or nobody tries to go after a source and I deal with it myself. So what's okay? Walk me through the process of thirty-one thoughts on a weekly basis. Do you have like a, a little notepad of I sort do, of stuff actually, you want to circle but back also to? Also, I use the notes on right. my. Uh, actually, I was telling somebody the story this morning. This is going to be too young for you. Have you ever heard of a guy named Brian Linehan? Okay, Brian Linehan. He's I believe he's dead now. Um, he was a, an entertainment journalist, mm. and he was phenomenal. Like I was never big into interview shows when I was a kid, but I would watch him. Because he would get stars on his show. And he worked at City TV in Toronto. And he would interview them. And they would be like, how do you know that? And one time I saw him interviewed and he said, what I do is I go to a party and I talk to everyone. And when I'm done, I run home and I write down everything I heard. <laughs> and he doesn't keep a notepad. Right. But he'll remember one word from the conversation. Yeah. And he'll, and he'll put down that one word and then everything will come back to me. A phenomenal memory. I was like, that is awesome. So when I talk to people now, unless I'm writing down a direct quote and, I'm, and I'll say, let me pull out my notepad here and write it down. Right. I'll remember one word from the conversation and I'll write it down my notepad and then more will come. Or I'll write it down my notes on my phone and then more will come. Like So during the week, I'm constantly making notes. And then when I get closer to write it, I, I, I go through the notes and I'm like, um, do I have to call anybody to get more information? And I start making calls and I try to freshen it up and that. Right. Um, my wife's like, why don't you write half of it or <laughs> earlier in the week? And I should, <laughs> but I, I feel better under a deadline. Yes. Um, but that's kind of the way it goes about. And when I really sit down and do it, it probably takes about anywhere from seven to 10 hours to do. Uh, I can't, I mean, you're, I don't have that type of patience. I feel like if I like had some good nuggets, I'd like want to get them out there. I can wait for the in the, for the Twitter week, right? world. It's changing. Yeah. I have to be a lot more careful. I've lost a couple things because I've tried to wait. So that's changing now. But I that's I like the challenge of it, Dimitri. Like, can I come up with something right. that people haven't read yet? Sooner it will become a, just a thirty-one tweets column. Thirty-one tweets. No, I <laughs> I, I hope that never happens. <laughs> Me too. I like I like thirty-one thoughts the way it is. Um, yeah, I mean, back to the, just quickly circling back to the um, idea of reporting and, and sources and stuff, I actually wanted to share a, a fun story with you. I'm not sure if, I'm sure you were privy to this information if I was, but I got an anonymous tip from uh, from a source um, back at last year's trade deadline mm -hmm. that a deal for Mike Smith to the Flames was done. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I ran it by Chris Johnston, who I'm very close with, and kind of asked him about the protocol of how this stuff works. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, he was telling me to make sure to, I get a second source to verify it because mm -hmm. you have to question why this person's telling me this in the first place, what, what they want me to do with it. And I couldn't get anyone else to confirm it really. And I'm kind of glad I didn't really do anything with it. I kept it to myself for the most mm -hmm. part. And then a few months later, uh, the exact trade that I heard about happened. So it's, it's kind of interesting that it took that long. I don't know. I don't know what the hiccup was, honestly, but well, you know what that tells me, first of all, good that you have a source that's that good. Mm. But secondly, I think that was very responsible of you. Yeah. Like, you know, like you never, you don't want to, when you're starting out, like you don't want to be wrong. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 and secondly, you know what that tells me too, is that you have somebody there that you can trust. Right. Like that's good Intel. 
And that says to me that now you know that this person's word is pretty good. And sometimes that's more valuable than anything else. Like there are people who call me or text me or whatever. And when they reach out to me, their word is gold because they've always been good. I still check, but I'm like, oh, this guy's a good source. Go. But there are people who reach out to me and I'm like, I'm not sure here. Right. So now you have a person there that you can say that this person, they're pretty good. Yeah. And if they're sending me info, I should really look into it. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know what I think, Dimitri? I really believe this in this day and age that everybody out there is looking for that edge on a team. So if you do good work, mm-hmm. they're going to find you. Yeah. They're going to find you. Like, you look at how many people that have done work on the internet have been snapped up by yep. teams now. They're looking for people. They know who's out there. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, you know, one, one of these days, as more and more of those people get into the front offices, I'm, I'm going to build up some pretty good, uh, well, pretty good sources. I, I, you know, <laughs> we've seen it happen. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I believe Travis Yost was the first guy to report that Alexander Radulov was signing in Montreal. Right. So, like, uh, you know, I think I think that's going to happen. Like, um, it's it's interesting. Like, God only knows where we're going, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the world is changing right. faster than we know. But, um, like, it, you know, it, some people don't like the pressure of being on top of breaking trades. Yes, and, I can imagine. I mean, it's probably very rewarding when you nail one. But yeah. but also, you know, you're looking at your phone all the time. <laughs> and you have people who tweet that comes to your phone. And you're like, oh, man, I'm, you, there's days you feel great because you got it. There's days you feel annoyed because you got beat. Right. You know, it's... Uh, do you view it as a bit of a, as a competition against some of your you peers? No, I, I think we do. Yeah. You know, I, I think our bosses do. Right. Um, but you know what? Yeah, in some ways, like those guys are great guys. Mm-hmm. I really like them. Um, but but like, I want to beat them. <laughs> in some some ways, we're like the players. Like, yeah. you want to win. You want to win. Right. Um. All right. I think I think this is a good good place to sort of put a pin in the conversation. I don't know. Was there anything else that we should have? I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to ask? Covered? Me? I don't know. I feel like we kind of covered it all. We covered the trades. We covered what's happening. I mean, you didn't really give me an answer on sort of. Because I was hoping that you would say that you're expecting an Oilers panic trade, and then I don't talk believe about- it. No, I don't. I, like I said, I I think if there would have been one, it would have been done already. So, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious to like see Ian Cole to me. If they get him, that's not a panic deal, right? No, it's yeah. not. Unless yeah. they traded Ryan Newton Hopkins they, for him, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're <laughs> right. doing that, right? Yeah. But so, I mean, when a team becomes that obvious, sort of, you know, the season's not going the way they wanted. Everyone's talking about, oh, are they going to make a trade? What are they going to do? Are you kind of like a shark sensing smelling blood in the water where you kind of are going to prioritize circling back to that team more often than you would otherwise? I, I do. Like, I mean, like generally I worry about the Canadian teams the most. Yes. You know, I work for well, our, 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 our bosses. And, definitely and feel our that bosses way. care yes. about that the most. So mm. like I'll get like, it's funny. I'll get tweets from people saying like, no flyers thoughts this week. Or, <laughs> um, but I do focus on the Canadian teams more than the other teams. There's no question. But yes, if you sense something, yeah, you're on that team. Like what? And sometimes they get sick of they like they're like I don't want to hear from you right now. So it's it's kind of funny. I I I've noticed that uh, people really want you to get in on the uh, Brock Besser for for Calder Trophy. Campaign. You know, I Jason Botcher is really pushing that. You know what? Like uh, I read Botchford stuff. It was pretty good. And you know what? Sometimes the Vancouver fans like they're. They can be really something, but they've been really funny about yeah. this. Like the tweets I've been getting, they've they've made me laugh. Uh, let's watch Saturday. You know, yeah. It's Vancouver, Toronto. I think we'll Big be stage, talking yeah. a lot about Vancouver in the pregame. Yeah. And let's see what we come up with. I mean, I think it's a great. So obviously, the Canucks desperately need someone like that to kind of captivate their fans and give them something to root for. But there's also, it's, it's a good story. I mean, you have, you know, the nickname The Flow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my former Canucks Army t- teammates are making shirts and, and giving the proceeds a good cause and charity and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's a very good story. And he's definitely. You know, surprise me. I didn't think that his skating would be good enough to succeed at this level at this this degree. You know, so. I gotta tell you, Dimitri. One thing I've learned is that they said the same thing about John Tavares. Yes, and I really believe that if you are committed, you that's something you can improve. Right. Like you know, John Tavares. I remember John Tavares was the number one pick, and people were saying, "Oh, from the from the blue line in, he's like a fullback barreling in for a touchdown. You got no chance." But you gotta get it there. Right. Like nobody's worrying about that anymore. Yeah. And I really believe if you in this, especially with sports science and everything we do now, all the 
the options these guys have at stake. If you want to improve your skating, you can do it. Yeah. And to me, Brock Besser looks like a guy who is committed, and I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't become an issue somewhere down the road. Well, I mean, worst case, uh, that shot's going to play in the offensive zone, so as long Absolutely. as you get him the puck, it'll, it'll work out. That's right. That's what Bo Horvat's job yeah. is. You get him the yeah. puck. Yeah, and Bo Horvat's one of those guys who had questions about his skating heading into the league, and no one questions that anymore. If you want to make yourself better, you can. Yeah. Um, all right, Elliot, let's get out of here. I'm not going to do the uh, the usual. Do you want to plug some stuff and where can people find you on Twitter? You already have uh, you already have enough followers there. I so. would just say please watch and read all <laughs> Sportsnet platforms. Including my work. Including well. Dimitri's yes. PDO cast and the blogs and articles he writes. That might be the new intro. We might uh, have, to, have to cut that and put it at the top. All right. Um, thanks for taking the time to come chat. And my hopefully pleasure. Hopefully we'll do this again soon. All right. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO Cast. Mm-hmm.